You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. I'm so glad you joined me. This is such an important topic. Money doesn't just show up on your doorstep. It doesn't just come to you in the mail. You may get a check. You may get a blessing in the mail. You may get a blessing through your paycheck or direct deposit. or You may sell this, that, or the other. But listen to me. All money comes when you convert a primary resource. It doesn't just show up in your bank account. Converting money through a primary resource is one of the things that we're talking about in this series. It's so very important. So the first primary resource that the Scripture shows us is work, labor. In all labor, there is profit. That's Proverbs 14, 23. And so when you labor and you put your heart into it, you now are working supercharged labor, which is called diligence. Diligence is work with the heart in it. It's work as a self-starter. It's work toward excellence. It's doing it right, even though no one is making you do it. It is called the law of the hand. And the law of the hand, or diligence, will keep you from developing a poisonous attitude. And when I say poisonous attitude, here's why. Because life is unfair. People do not, especially in the area of money, they do not treat you fairly. You will be taken advantage of. People might lie to you or say things about you that are not true. But this is what the Scripture says happens. Proverbs 13, 4, The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing. So lazy people desire. Desire alone won't get you what you want. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Joseph had every rough break you could imagine. He was betrayed by his brothers. They hated him. They disparaged him. They eventually sold him into slavery. They lied about him, made sure that his father wouldn't come looking for him because they took his coat, covered it with the blood of an animal, and told the father that they'd found it and didn't know what happened to him, knowing that he was sold into slavery in Egypt and would not be returning home. They knew that. He had every excuse in the world to become bitter. He did a great job for his master Potiphar, only till his wife came and lied about Joseph and accused him of sexual assault. He was thrown into prison because of her lies. Once again, he's treated unfairly. If anybody had a right to become cynical and bitter, it was Joseph, but he didn't. He was not an embittered soul. Now let me just say this. People who dwell on their injustices will develop an incurable cynicism, meaning you can't recover for it or from it. If you continually think about all the wrongs that were done you, you're never going anywhere. You've got to put those aside. Doesn't mean you don't learn from them. Doesn't mean that you trust just anybody and everybody from now on. Doesn't mean that. 
Jesus didn't trust everybody. He knew what was in man, didn't need anybody to testify to him about man because he knew human nature. So the Bible says that Jesus didn't commit himself to some people. But what I want you to see is that you cannot allow injustice to to get a hold of your spirit to the point that you no longer believe in God's best. Because a skeptic or a cynic cannot see an opportunity when God sends it. Proud people cannot see opportunities when God sends them. That's why it's so important that you do not allow your pride to keep you from doing work that you probably should do. Pride will blind you to a door of opportunity because a lot of times a door of great promotion is hidden through something that requires that you humble yourself. I didn't want to be a kid's minister. God called me to be a pastor. The vision I had in my heart when I was three months old in the Lord was to be a pastor. I knew I was supposed to be a pastor. But that door did not open up for me. The only thing that opened up for me was to work with youth and ultimately to work with children. I did not want to do it. I did it because there was nothing else for me to do. I humbled myself. And I thought that I was maybe hurting myself by taking those positions. And I have to tell you that when I moved to Tulsa and God used me here in a great way to minister to children with a kid's curriculum that I published, and I taught children's ministry conferences all over America, and I had a kid's TV show, and there were people who looked down on me as a minister They may have respected me to some degree because they needed my work with the kids for their camp meetings and conventions. But one very well-known minister's wife asked this question of one of my helpers, when are you going to get in the real ministry? As if what we were doing was not real. Listen to me, that hurt. When he said or she said that, that hurt. It let me know that these people don't think I'm the real deal. They don't think that I have a real calling from God. But God called me to pastor a church. And one of the things that I found when I started pastoring was I know how to communicate. And I can communicate to anybody. And I learned how to communicate to anybody because I learned how to explain things to children. And this is what people said about my ministry. He makes it so simple. He takes very complicated subjects and makes them easy to understand. How do you think I developed that skill? I got it because I was teaching kids. When I told you in an earlier episode that every job, even the lowest of jobs in your mind, will give you a set of skills that are transferable to anything that you will do. Believe me, that is the truth. I got skills working in children's ministry I couldn't have developed any other way. Now, God permitted two of Pharaoh's servants to be thrown into the dungeon where Joseph was. He wanted Joseph to go to the palace. The palace wasn't going to invite him. So God arranged for two of the guys from the palace to go where Joseph was. They were Pharaoh's baker and Pharaoh's butler. Now Pharaoh, according to scholars, suspected that someone on his staff was trying to kill him. He didn't know if it was the butler or the baker, so he threw them both in the dungeon. And so 
they both had dreams, and they were troubled by them. These dreams were enough to really get their attention. Joseph saw them in this state of being sad. Now, Joseph could have said, well, I understand your feelings, guys. I, I, I'm, I'm sad too. I'm, I'm falsely accused here in this prison, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get out. And Listen, he could have had that attitude, but he didn't, and here's why. Because the soul of the diligent shall be made fat, meaning that when you are a hard worker, you forget about injustices that are done to you. So Joseph interprets the dreams of these two. He tells the butler, three days you'll be restored to your job working with Pharaoh again. The baker says, ooh, I like that. What, what's my dream about? As he told it to Joseph, he ter- interpreted it and said in three days, Pharaoh will cut off your head and he will hang your body on a tree. And so this man was, as it turned out, guilty of treason. And so he was executed. Now this is interesting. This interpretation indicated that Joseph was not a flatterer, that he was a man of integrity. Two years later, Pharaoh himself would have dreams that troubled him, two dreams. He dreamed that there were seven big healthy cattle that came up out of the Nile River, followed by seven really starving-looking cattle that ate the seven cattle that were fat and healthy, but they weren't any different. Then he saw seven healthy ears of wheat. They were consumed by seven really pitiful, sickly-looking ears of wheat. And so he knew that the dream was important but had no idea what it was. Joseph was remembered at that point in time. The butler said, I can tell you that there's a man in the dungeon who can interpret your dreams. So the butler forgot Joseph for two years. But it's just as well, because had he told the Pharaoh about the injustice that was done to Joseph, the best that could have happened was Joseph would have been freed. What if he had been freed? Where would he go? He couldn't go back to Canaan. His brothers would certainly kill him if he showed up. He didn't have any clout in Egypt. He was just a slave. Even though he was a freed slave, he's still a slave. And so God had something better for him, and sometimes something better takes longer. And so it took two full years for that to happen. These dreams that the Pharaoh had opened a door for Joseph, and it's a two-phased deliverance. And I want to get through this quickly so you get it, because this is so very important. Genesis 41, verses 15 and 16. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've heard say of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Notice the difference in Joseph's attitude as opposed to how he talked to his brothers when he had dreams as a young man. There's nothing about him that's cocky now. No haughtiness. So he interprets the dreams. He said there will be seven amazing years, amazingly plentiful. Uh, We're going to have bountiful harvest, but it will be followed by seven years of disastrous famine. And so he explained what the dreams meant. So Joseph's interpretations got him set free. Pharaoh believed him. But Joseph didn't just give an interpretation to the dream. He identified a problem that was coming, but he also offered a solution. Now this is what I want you to see. When you are diligent 
you're a person who finds solutions. You think solutions. You know not to be stopped by obstacles. That's what a diligent person is. A diligent person is a bulldozer. They refuse to quit until they find an answer. So Joseph comes to Pharaoh with an answer, a solution. He tells him exactly how to navigate this situation that is coming on the whole land. So this is not a Cinderella story. This is not a story where Pharaoh decides, I'm just going to bless you and put you into the top. Pharaoh is playing for keeps here. He doesn't put people in positions of power in his kingdom if he wants to keep the confidence of all the other people who work for him. And the last thing he can afford to do is to put someone over his agriculture who doesn't have a clue as to what they're doing. Uh, This is a serious issue. So what then was it that Pharaoh saw in Joseph? Now, this is what I want you to see. Joseph was set free from prison because he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. That was a gift that he brought with him to Egypt. He had that back when he lived in Canaan. But now there is something more that Pharaoh sees, one, two, three, four things that Joseph picked up by working in Egypt. One of these things was given by the grace of God, the ability to interpret dreams. But four of these skills were picked up When Joseph worked in Egypt, those were the things that opened the door for him to have a job. Let's go through it very quickly. Number one, Joseph learned the Egyptian culture. Genesis 41, 14 may seem like a small thing, but before he went to the Pharaoh, he shaved himself and changed his clothing. In other words, when he stood before the Pharaoh, he looked like an Egyptian, not a Hebrew. Number two, he spoke the language. Genesis 42, 8, and Joseph knew his brethren, but they didn't know him. Genesis 42, 23, and they knew not Joseph, or they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. Joseph spoke the Egyptian language so well that when he saw his brothers, he did not emotionally explode into Hebrew. He had learned how to think in Egyptian And so his first thoughts were Egyptian, not Hebrew. And so this is what gave him the skills that he needed to manage the agriculture of the country. He knew how to communicate. Now, let's look at Genesis 41, verse 33. He says to Pharaoh, Thou therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. Let him set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land in the seven years of famine. Now, Joseph knew how to organize How did he learn how to do that? Running the prison, working in Potiphar's house. So he understood that the key to solving this problem was an excellent administration. And then finally, the last thing. Joseph understood food consumption. In verses 34, 35, and 36, he said to Pharaoh, let the Pharaoh set back the fifth part, 20% of the harvest every year during these good years. 
When Pharaoh heard that, he knew that he was not listening to a man who spoke in generalities. He knew that Joseph understood food consumption. No doubt that there had been at least one of those good years of harvest in the 13 previous years. Joseph would have had something to go by in making the estimate that if they had seven of those years, it would only take 20% of the harvest of those years to be in a good place for the famine. Pharaoh could see that about this man. He knows the numbers. He understands food consumption. He understands organization. He looks like an Egyptian to me, although I hear that he's Hebrew. And he certainly speaks the language. That's why Joseph was promoted. It was not because God just smiled on him and gave him favor, although that's true. It was because also he had skill. The favor of God might have gotten him freed. He might have been made a free man, but it was the skill that he developed in those 13 years that caused him to be promoted to the chief of all of Pharaoh's resources during that time. Now, we talked about the hand and how that the hand appears six times in Genesis 39. Well, here's the seventh time, the number of completion, Genesis 41, 42. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring, off his hand, and put it on Joseph's hand. That is number seven. What a story. In all labor, there is profit. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.